Life Audio. Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity, and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am very excited to have Dr. Matt Queen with us. Dr. Matt Queen is the the LR Scarborough Chair of Evangelism, or the Chair of Fire, and Professor of Evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where he also serves as Interim Provost and Vice President for Academic Administration. The author of Recapturing Evangelism, a Biblical Theological Approach, uh, from 2023, Everyday Evangelism from 2020, and Mobilized to Evangelize 2018, in addition to having edited and contributed chapters to in numerous other books. Dr. Queen has been published in multiple academic journals and serves as Associate Pastor of Evangelism at Lane Prairie Baptist Church in Joshua, Texas. Additionally, he serves as an evangelism consultant for the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention and regularly leads evangelism workshops and preaches in churches across the country. Welcome, Dr. Queen. Thank you so much. It is so uh, good to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you. So um, one thing that has really kind of captured the imagination, especially of evangelical Christians across the nation, is the Asbury Revival. Can you tell us a little bit about what do you know about that? And what does that say about what's kind of what God maybe has in store for America in general? Yeah. So so God God has really worked, at least in the United States, in the uh, 19th, excuse me, the 20th century. And now, you know, recently we've seen he's he's worked in the 21st century. Uh, in Asbury, there's there's actually been uh, with this newest one uh, three distinct movements where uh, he has he's actually uh, the Holy Spirit's actually worked on that campus, and one of the neat things that has happened is is uh, you know uh, th- though though those revival emphases at Asbury have generally been through prayer and confession of sin, mm-hmm. there ends up being you know uh, preaching and and people get saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, what would happen is people would want to come just like they did this time. People would want to come and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then they would go back and they would take it to their places. Yeah. Um, in some of the earlier, uh, not, not, I don't know. I don't know about so much this latest iteration, but in mm-hmm. some of the other iterations of, of this movement, uh, the, the, the school actually sent out students to other places. And actually it was, 
uh, back in uh, 1970 that uh, um, uh, some of what happened in Asbury also took place here at Southwestern Seminary. So wow. it's, been, it's been, yeah, it's been a fantastic thing how God has used that place to, to you know, uh, light fires, uh, you know, throughout the United States. Oh, that's awesome. Why there? What's going on there that makes that kind of a hotbed? You know, I, I don't know that there, I, I you know, personally, I don't know. I, I think my view and understanding of uh, and study of revivals and awakenings is that, you know, uh, you can be doing all the right things. And unless God just does something, you know, you, you, you're, you're not going to see him move. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something I would have to just defer to the sovereignty of God on, you know, on what, when he wants to move and the reasons why he has moved in that place specifically. Interesting. Yeah. So um, you talked about like, there's been lots of people getting saved there. So what, what are they doing there? And what have you guys picked up in terms of like public invitations? That's, that's something that, you know, there's a bit of a controversy. Is that biblical? Is that not biblical? What would you say about that? Yeah. So uh, as I understand this, uh, this latest movement that happened in Asbury, I believe uh, people just did not, you know, they were having worship and people just did not want to leave and started praying. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not, I've, I've not really heard a lot about their use of the public invitation other than I know that there have been some sermons that have gone on. Um, Dr. Hawkins and I, when we wrote this book, the gospel invitation, one of the things, one of the reasons why we wrote it was because at least he and I, in our own observation have, have looked at kind of the, the landscape of evangelicalism and where in evangelicalism, there usually was uh, you know, there was crusade, you know, you think of Billy Graham or somebody like that, or even in, in, on Sunday morning, there was some type of, uh, at least in Baptistic churches, there was some kind of a response, you know, that would take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now uh, it, it seems that preaching's kind of uh, had a development where it, it's preaching has turned more to teaching. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference between preaching and teaching, T- teaching, you're giving information, you may give some application preaching, you're actually calling for a decision. Yeah, and okay. so, so uh, we, we just felt like, you know, it'd been 30 years since the book had been written on this topic. And so that's why we wanted to write on it. Got it. Yeah. So, and what makes you, like, what, what is your perspective on why that public invitation has become more rare? Just yeah. because of the trend or? Yeah, well, I think there's probably three things that have probably, uh, you know, contributed to it. One of it, one of the reasons I think is that there is a very well, and all these groups are very well-meaning. So this is not a critique against, you know, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but I think there's a very well-meaning discipleship culture that has kind of pervaded. Usually, you know, within evangelicalism, there's either a strong emphasis on evangelism or a strong emphasis on discipleship. And there's this kind of pendulum that goes on. Yeah. And so I think, you know, in the, in the, in the nineties and uh, in the early two thousands, uh, you know, that pendulum really swept has uh, kind of swung over to discipleship. And so this well-meaning discipleship culture has kind of thought, okay, well, um, you need to have a established relationship with somebody over a long period of time in order to have somebody come to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And in the preaching context, you know, a preacher or an evangelist or a pastor, you know, he doesn't necessarily know every single person in the group, in the big crowd. And he's actually, you know, historically called for people to make a response right then and there, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's been one thing that's contributed to it. A second thing is I think there are some people who have, very well-meaning, but they've seen bad examples where there's been manipulation involved or something like that. Sure. And so they have, you know, yeah. yeah. And the last one is, I think there's some very well-meaning pragmatists, some people that have tried to do it 
And they said it didn't work, you know, they didn't see a response. And so they've just kind of given it up on it. So I think those are probably the three biggest contributing factors to why people don't do uh, invitations. Got it. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit more about what it means to do a public invitation poorly or incorrectly. Like what is it that turns people off or causes it to not go as well as we might like? Yeah, Dr. Hawkins and I talk and and refer to this a little bit in the book. Um, I I think... um, I think any time that invitations have been done wrongly or through manipulation or whatever, um, it di- it didn't necessarily start because of the 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 model or the way that they did it. It was more the spirit or the heart that they had. And oh. so one of the things one of the things that Dr. Hawkins and I try to do is uh, focus on two things. First of all, uh, the pastor, the preacher, the evangelist, he he needs to make sure that he is spending time in with the with the Lord praying. Uh, making sure that his heart is right when he's in what he's preaching. And then the second thing is, is instead of just, you know, typically sometimes pastors, preachers, or evangelists would just add on an invitation at the end. It would have nothing to do with the text. Right. Well, when you, add, when, when you, when you de-plug from the sermon, from the text you're preaching and you plug in something else mm-hmm. that gives you the opportunity to kind of add on. Mm-hmm. But if you allow the text that you've preached to or taught, you know, to go all the way through and to carry the the, the invitation, then it, it's a safeguard. It's a, a guardrail to help prevent from manipulation taking place. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's exactly right. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Um, so what would you say about how people can go about beginning to incorporate this? And it's sounding like you kind of are emphasizing the idea of both and like the discipleship and the uh, the invitations. How would you advise or how does the book describe that people should go about doing that? Yeah. So um, I think the the first step that, w- that Dr. Hawkins and I um, try to put forward is, is number one, you have to be convinced that uh, invitations are something that are biblical, something that God honors. Mm-hmm. And so in the first two chapters, we talk about the biblical examples of it. And then some of the other reasons that exist why people should give those invitations. I think the second thing in in terms of doing it is we've also provided a guide in, in chapter three to help help those who speak and who are going to give an invitation like that, mm-hmm. help them know, uh, kind of have a, a guide to kind of pray through um, mm-hmm. their sermon, and then also a guide to help them kind of see, okay, here's the text I'm preaching. Instead of just adding on, I call you to faith in Christ, I call you to salvation, mm-hmm. actually have them uh, find the text and ha- find where the gospel, I call it the gospel cue, the gospel call in that text is. And then the last two chapters kind of just talk about um, just some good tips on how to do that. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to just be a, for a preacher. Uh, it can also be for a teacher, you know, a Sunday school teacher or something else like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, Paul also talks about the fact that the believers are supposed to be equipped for the word. That's exactly right. So how, exactly. how would you translate this to somebody who's not, who doesn't have a pulpit per se? That that's exactly right. Well, what 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 I would say is, uh, pastors who are preachers or evangelists or teachers who do this, mm-hmm. they are modeling for lay people. You know, just people in the pew, however you want to call them. Uh, they're for everyday people like you and me. They are modeling. Okay, when you share the good news that mm-hmm. you're a sinner, Jesus is God's expression of love, who died, was buried, and raised. Mm-hmm. Now you need to repent and believe. They are modeling for everyday Christians how they can, um, in their personal conversations, call people to faith in Christ. What it means for that person to repent, or what it means for that person to believe. Mm-hmm. Because here's here's the you know the, the fact of the matter: 
nobody uh, who hears the gospel, no no lost person, no unbeliever who hears the gospel, they even whenever the Holy Spirit's working, even when they've been told about Jesus, they still don't know what to do. I mean, at Pentecost, they asked Peter, what do we do? The Philippian jailer asked Paul, what do I do? You know, and so so by having that example in the pulpits, uh, it, it it can be translated in those personal conversations. Yeah, you know, as you're saying this, what's popping into my head is in marketing, there's there's a call to action. Like, there, there is. <laughs> same kind of a thing. So, gotcha. Um, so what would you say are some common mistakes that believers, particularly people that, I mean, pastors too, but especially the, the lay public, yeah. mm-hmm. when they're trying to talk to somebody and lead them to faith in Christ, what are some things to avoid? Yeah. So I think one of the things to avoid is, and I think this is probably the first thing, is the, the mindset that um, a gospel, you know, God giving you an opportunity to share the gospel is going to be something that's going to be out of the ordinary, like a light shining down on you, angels singing in the background, sure. you know, somebody stupefied coming up saying, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> you know, sure. That 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 I'm not saying that can't happen, it's but not- generally when people look for gospel opportunities, that's what they put in their mind. Okay. And what we need to realize is, is that God brings opportunities a lot more cleverly designed than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you're with that person with that you have some extra time with. Maybe you're in a, a you know, a, a, a waiting room or, 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 or something like that, that you don't know about their relationship with the Lord. Or that person that's kind of, you, you're in the mall or whatever, and you see that person that's just to themselves and they're really thinking hard about something. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I think the first thing is, is to, is to understand what an opportunity to share the gospel is. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, is to understand this, to get to the gospel in your conversation, it is as easy as getting, as, as talking about anything else you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for You know, if somebody wants to talk about sports or politics or medicine or current events, you know, they, they don't have to be trained how to do that. They just start talking about it, you know? Um, and, and in the same way, um, if we want to talk about Jesus, there's easy ways. I mean, you can do something like this. Have you heard any good news today? Mm-hmm. Most people, I, I, I do this all the time. People say, no, I mm-hmm. say, well, I've got some good news for you. And then I tell them, you know, or right. has anybody taken the time to tell you today that God loves you? You know, most people aren't doing that. So yeah. these real easy ways, I, I think that's the way that it translates. And then the last thing is, is to understand it's not just about telling about Jesus. You have to do that, mm-hmm. but but people need to know there's a decision to make. Mm-hmm. And whether it's in, like you said, in the public or in the private uh, conversations, uh, they need to know, Hey, what are you going to do with this information I've given you? Sure, yeah, absolutely. And so I think one of the things, at least in America that causes a lot of people to be hesitant is what are they going to think? Am I going to offend them? Am I going to actually turn them off? Uh, maybe they've heard this a million times. They already know this. Like, what would you say to all of that? <laughs> yeah. What I would say is we, um, when I, I'm 48 years old, when I grew up, that, that probably was the case where I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina, yeah. It's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would just tell you, most people uh, who say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. Uh, unbelievers today, people who don't know Jesus, who've never heard of Jesus today, which is the majority of people who live around us, mm-hmm. they, they don't know to be offended by hearing the good news. I'm just going to tell you, they're, they're, they're not going to get offended, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in most cases. Now, I mean, everybody's going to get offended by something, you know, but um, I, I would just tell you, I found, at least in my personal witness, People today are a lot more willing to hear the gospel than we are to share the gospel. Interesting. Wow. 
yeah, that's really cool. And, and, and here's the thing. Don't take my word for it. I, I would, you know, uh, whoever's listening to this, just go out maybe uh, uh, sometime this week and the next week and just say, okay, I'm going to find somebody uh, that maybe I don't know. And I'm just going to ask them, hey, have you heard any good news today? Mm-hmm. And just realize that they're probably going to say no. Even if they say yes, I'm going to say, well, let me give you another piece of good news mm-hmm. and just tell about Jesus and just see how that goes. I'll just tell you. It's, it's, it's not as offensive as we have made it out to be in our minds. Mm, interesting. And uh, what is your perspective on like the street preacher, somebody who kind of sh- stands on the street corner and starts shouting about whatever, like what's yeah. your perspective on that approach? Yeah. Well, so I, I would say, you know, there's never a wrong way to preach the gospel. I mean, Paul, Paul says, uh, you know, in Philippians, he says, you know, whether there's some that do it out of dishonest game or there's some that do it in chains, I, nevertheless, I rejoice that the gospel is preached. So I would rejoice that the gospel is preached. Yeah. I think, again, you know, uh, uh, Paul and some of those folks preached on street corners. I've, I don't, you know, I've not had a ministry of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think there's a way to do that in a way that is should be winsome mm-hmm. and should be spirit filled, uh, right. spirit filled first, winsome second. Um, I think you can do that. Uh, but I, but I don't. I, I think again, in the same way that we've said with the invitation itself, you've got to check your 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 motivation. Are you just there to mm-hmm. preach against people, or are you there to actually uh, invite people into the kingdom? And you know, so absolutely. But, but even but even if it's not the way that I do it, you know, again, yeah. um, I rejoice that the gospel is preached if it's preached. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. You know, not That's right. really the hellfire and judgment. But you're correct for sure. Like if the word goes out, then God can can use that. That's right. Yeah. Great. Um. Okay. So would you say that there's anything that people need to specifically kind of guard against when they're trying to share the gospel in a personal relationship? What are some, because we're talking about strangers. What about somebody that you know really well that you want to lead to the Lord? What What are some tips of how they can yeah. begin to do that? Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's with, with that kind of grouping, there are those people who, you know, that you've never shared with, you know, you, you, you've gotten to be a friendship. You're, you're afraid that Jesus might mess up this friendship, budding friendship relationship that you have. Yeah. Then there's those that you've, you know, and you've shared the gospel and they know where you are, but you've just not done it in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I would say in either case, though, you know, I could get more into the technical details of it just in a kind of broad brush. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would say uh, humility is the number one key. Humility for the person that you've known for a while, and they may know you're a Christian or whatever, but you've never taken the time to share the good news with them. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things you go to them and say is something like this: "Hey, well, first of all, you go to God and you you ask God, God, forgive me, I've not brought you up. You know, I've been ashamed to bring you up or whatever." But then I think you go to them and say, "Hey, I, I actually prayed about you today," and uh, um, that they may that that might get their attention. And when you say, "Yeah, you, you know, what did you pray about?" I said, "Well, I actually prayed because I've." I actually have done something against you. And in the, in their mind, they're going to think, okay, have you stolen against me? Have you said something bad against me? You know, lied about me or whatever. But, but, and those things are bad. Okay. But really the worst thing that anybody could do is to say that we love somebody and not tell them about God's love. Mm-hmm. And so when you tell them, Hey, you know, I've, I've known you for 10 years and I've never taken the time to tell you about Jesus. And I just got really convicted about that. And I asked God, forgive me. And I'm going to ask you, would you please forgive me? It shouldn't have taken 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if I can just, just so that I can say that I've done it, can I just have the opportunity? Would you just afford me the opportunity? I know it's awkward. I feel awkward even saying this, but can mm-hmm. I get the opportunity just to tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me? You know, something like this. So I think humility yeah. is a way to go about that. If it's somebody that you know before, 
then you can say, hey, look, I, I know the last time we talked, you weren't interested in this, but mm-hmm. the Lord just put you on my heart. And I just need to ask you the question, you know, would you like to have another conversation about this? Again, you know, we're not pushing anything down anybody's throat. We're just gently trying to be intentional and let the Holy Spirit work, uh, lead the way. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love how the the humility is so disarming because I think a lot of times people do feel like somebody is coming to say like, I have the right answer and you don't like it. That's not the way to approach it. It has to be done in love. That's great. Love that. Yes. So um, what would you say is kind of the path forward? How can people learn more about doing this and sharing and just get, get into the habit of it? What would you say is the first step? Yeah. So I think the, the very first step is to, to go to God and to pray a prayer, I, this is not original with me. I don't know who it's original with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just if you want to start this, I think you just pray this prayer. Dear God, give mm-hmm. me an opportunity today to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Number two, give me the sense enough to recognize it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And third, give me the courage or the boldness to act on it when I do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm a Baptist. I know there's probably different denominations and different peoples and perspectives listening to this. But, you know, as Baptists, we always pray, God, if it's your will, if it's your will. Well, when I pray a prayer like that, I don't have to say, God, is it your will? Because God does want me to have an opportunity. God does want me to recognize it. God does want me to act on it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, praying a prayer like that will will make you a little bit more um, open in your eyes to uh, people that God brings across your your path, you know. Um, and then what I would say is this, um, you know, just try to do it now. If you, if, you know, maybe you just say, there's no way I can do this. I just don't know what to do. I just want to remind you that if you know enough of the gospel to be saved by it, mm-hmm. then you know enough of the gospel to share it. Yep. What, 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 what you believe is what somebody else needs to believe mm-hmm. and you say, well, I still can't do it. Well, you know what? Find a good Christian that you do trust and say, Hey, can you and I maybe just go and and go to the mall or maybe just go through a neighborhood or, mm-hmm. uh, or go see my friend or my family member. And can, can you go with me and can, can, so we can talk to my friend or a stranger or whatever, whoever it is about the Lord. Yeah, that's great. So where can people go to pick up your book and to learn a little bit more about you? Yes. So uh, if you want to know more about the book, uh, there is a website, thegospelinvitation.com. You can, uh, you know, if you, you and your church want to have a study about it, there's there you can do bulk sales there. It's also available anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere else like that. And then uh, um, there's information about me at Southwestern Seminary, which is swbts.edu. Mm-hmm. And uh, there at Southwestern Seminary, we're trying to help people find their calling, live their calling and refine their calling. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this, Dr. Dr. Queen. This has been really, really great. God bless you. And thanks for having me. Are you looking for a holistically minded healthcare practitioner who truly treats root cause rather than symptom suppression? Unfortunately, even in the alternative healing professions, this isn't a given. That's why I've created wholehealthdoctor.com, a resource to help connect patients to healthcare practitioners in their area who share a root cause philosophy. Alternatively, most of the practitioners listed also practice telehealth. So if there isn't anyone local to you, you can still find a great practitioner to help you regain optimal health. Go to wholehealthdoctor.com. That's whole healthdr.com, type in your location or adjust the specialty that you're looking for and find the practitioner who's right for you. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren DeVille. 
If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.